Okay, uh, as, as we begin uh, with the very first, first chapter of Genesis, uh, something to think about is that really the, the most fundamental and basic truth in uh, all of scripture uh, is that uh, God is the creator and sovereign ruler uh, over all creation. Uh, and that, that is the, uh, that's the most basics and that's where we start all the way at the beginning. Uh, and that's where Moses began uh, for the Israelites as they're preparing to, to enter into the promised land to, to understand who they were, who their God was, how they related uh, to all of creation. And we also have to realize that uh, we cannot observe the origin uh, of the universe. Uh, with, with our, our five senses, our uh, hearing and sight and smell and taste and touch, uh, we can't observe the creation of the universe. Uh, it was at the, the very beginning, it's a past historical event uh, that we can't see uh, in the, the present. Uh, we can't observe it, we can't repeat it, we can't uh, test it uh, or uh, empirically verify it. That means through, uh, through our sense observations. Uh, and so fundamentally, uh, if we're to know anything about the, the creation uh, in God uh, and where things began and how they began, then uh, God's word is absolutely necessary. Uh, and uh, without it, we would be left in the dark uh, as uh, people have been for thousands and thousands of years left only to speculate and imagine uh, what the beginning of the universe was like and what God uh, is like. And I'll just read a few verses from Hebrews 11, uh, verses 1 through 3. Uh, the author of Hebrews states, Now, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And now, Tonight, because this chapter is so, so monumental, I just want to give an overview uh, of some important foundations that we have to lay. Uh, and then in the coming weeks, uh, we'll just go through uh, verse by verse uh, all, all the way through. And so uh, we'll, we'll be looking at uh, the, uh, the, the genre uh, of Genesis. And so that's just uh, what, what kind of uh, text is this? What kind of discourse uh, is it? Uh, we'll also be looking at the, the meaning of the word yom, uh, day. Uh, and then we'll uh, consider the, the structure of the passage, uh, how the parts fit together, and uh, the, the overall meaning or theme of it. And so be beginning with the, the genre, this is important because some say that Genesis 1 is uh, it's just poetry. Uh, but uh, I, I believe uh, from scripture that it's historical narrative. Uh, 
it's not like the rich man and Lazarus, which was a figurative uh, narrative, uh, but historical, grounded in history, real space, real time, real, uh, real events taking place in history. Uh, and first, I, I want to show that uh, it is, it's not poetry. And so just as an example of Hebrew poetry in Genesis chapter 4, uh, toward the end, uh, also uh, last time we were together, we were looking at uh, Genesis chapter 49, uh, reading about the, the coming king and the tribe of Judah, and we read about some, some poetry there too. But just in verses 23 and, and 24, uh, you'll see a little poem by Lamech, a descendant of Cain, who killed his brother Abel. Uh, and really, the, the primary factor in Hebrew poetry uh, is parallelism. Uh, they restate things uh, over and over again, uh, and sometimes in different ways. But you'll have one statement uh, one way, and then he'll repeat it just with slightly different uh, wording. And so... Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. Uh, and so you, you see how the, the, the repetition in it. Uh, he refers to his wives one way, uh, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. Uh, and then following it up, he does it another way. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. And that, that's the key uh, in Hebrew poetry, parallelism. But uh, when we come to Genesis chapter 1, uh, the closer and closer you read it, uh, you'll find that everywhere where you would expect uh, parallelism uh, to appear, uh, that the author uh, just slightly tweaks things to avoid parallelism uh, again and again and again. Uh, and so uh, uh, one scholar named uh, Ronald Hendel, uh, he says this. He's going to mention a priestly source. Uh, I really don't think there's, there's legitimacy to that, but everything else he says uh, is uh, right on as far as Genesis 1 goes. Hendel says, uh, McEvenu has patiently traced the priestly narrative style in which a tendency for structured organization and repetition is offset by consistent small variations within the pattern. Casuto characterized this tendency in Genesis 1 as a general stylistic rule. Quote, it is a basic principle of biblical narrative prose. Uh, prose is... Uh, straightforward, uh, non-figurative poetic writing. Uh, is a basic principle of biblical narrative prose not to repeat a statement in identical terms. Uh, with fine artistic sense, the narrator likes to alter the wording or to shorten it or to change the order uh, of, of the words. Uh, and so there are all these little ways where he, he'll just, uh, when he repeats a, a phrase, he'll, he'll repeat it with just, different words, or uh, he'll place it uh, in a different place in the, the paragraph. And I'll just give you a couple examples of this. 
uh, in the six days of uh, creation, uh, we see uh, some things that repeat throughout. Uh, we see that God gives commands by his word. Uh, we see then uh, reports uh, of creation. Uh, and so, uh, for example, in uh, day one, verse three, uh, you have a command. And God said, let there be light. Uh, and then we have a report. And there was light. Uh, it, it reports that his command came to pass. Uh, and in all the others, uh, he doesn't say, and there was light, but it was so. It's the same Hebrew phrase, but he just adds light to the to the first one. Uh, we also have evaluations uh, where, and God saw that the light was good. He evaluates uh, his work, that it, that it was good. Uh, and then uh, we have God's uh, action. And God separated the light from the darkness. And then he names things sometimes. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. Uh, and we, we have these things throughout, uh, throughout the days. But look at the first day. Uh, we have a command, uh, let there be light. Uh, we have a report, and there was light. And then we have an evaluation. And God saw that the light was good. But look at day two, uh, verse six. And God said, uh, so we have a command, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. Let it separate the waters from the waters. And then we have an action, not, not a report, not an evaluation, but an action. Uh, and God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. Now we have a report. Uh, the, the report changed places. It's now following the action. And God called the expanse, he's naming it, called the expanse heaven. And there is evening and there is morning the second day. But where's the evaluation? It's gone. Uh, the, the author drops it out. Uh, and actually, if you go to day five, he'll have an evaluation, but he leaves out the report. Uh, and so sometimes he'll just, he'll omit things. He'll leave them out. Uh, he'll reorder things, uh, put them in different, different places. Uh, if we were to go through this uh, this whole section, uh, we'd see again and again and with the specific wording that he purposefully avoids parallelism wherever he can, uh, even when you, you'd expect him not to do that. Uh, and this doesn't mean, although it's not Hebrew poetry, uh, it doesn't mean that there might not be some more poetic elements. Uh, when we get to the, the seventh day, there's a lot of lot of repetition, but uh, overall, it's not, it's not Hebrew poetry. Uh, I'll just give you one more example. Uh, many uh, scholars, they, they uh, categorize or group days one through three together, like in a, in a column, and then days four through six together, uh, the creation days. Uh, and they might say that days one through three, are God is forming his creation, uh, but then in days three through six, he's filling it. He's inhabiting it with creatures. Uh, and we'll see that there's there's definitely truth to this, but it's a little a little oversimplistic. But then uh, in these groups, uh, they they would say, uh, like one scholar, uh, Matthews, would say with days one and four, uh, they're grouped together. Uh, day one has uh, the creation of light and darkness. 
day four has the, the luminaries, the, the sun, moon, and stars, uh, the bright objects that, uh, that correspond to light and darkness. Uh, days two and five correspond together. Uh, you have the, the sky and the waters created. And then day five, you have the, the fish and the, the birds or flying creatures. Uh, and then in days three and six, you have the land and the seas uh, and vegetation. Uh, and then on day six, you have the, the beasts uh, and humans uh, that are with the land. But if you actually read a little more closely, there, there's truth to that. Th those are good observations. But if you read a little more closely, you see that uh, in uh, day four, uh, for instance, with the, the luminaries, the, the sun, moon, and stars, that yes, they, they correspond to the light and darkness, but they're also placed in the heaven that God created on day two. Uh, and then in day five, uh, you, you have the, the fish and the birds. Well, uh, the fish, yeah, they, these correspond to the, the sky and the waters in day two, but the fish are also in the seas on day three. Uh, and then with the, the beasts and the, the humans, yes, they're, they're on the, the land, uh, but uh, the humans are given dominion over the land and over all the other animals. Uh, and so they, they correspond not just with day three, but with other days that the creatures were made, like day five when the fish and birds uh, were made. And uh, the more you look at it, it's not just simple uh, correspondence or relationship between them, but complex. You see many relationships. And so the, the parallelism even breaks down there. And so we, we do see that it's orderly. Uh, we see that there's a repetition in God's creation, uh, but uh, it's, not, it's not strictly parallel. And so it's, it's not poetry. Uh, but historical uh, narrative. Uh, and a narrative is just a, it's kind of a story. Uh, and uh, there's a, a scholar named Stephen Levinson, uh, who's one of the, the finest uh, biblical translators uh, and linguists uh, probably in all, all of the world uh, in really dealing with issues of discourse. He draws from a, another scholar named Robert Longacre and gives two uh, characteristics, features uh, of a narrative. Uh, and in the, the first, uh, in narratives, some, often most of the events or doings are contingent, that means dependent, on previous events or doings. And so he gives an example. Uh, because the, the most basic question in a narrative is basically, what happened? Uh, you're, uh, you start at the beginning, uh, you're working your way toward the end, and you want to know what happened, uh, what happened in this story. Uh, and so as an example, he says, thus, Little Red Riding Hood's arrival at her grandmother's house is dependent on her setting out through the woods. Uh, and so uh, eventually she's going to get to her grandmother's house, but that later event is dependent on what happens earlier. She has to begin going through the woods. Uh, she has to make it all the way through the woods into her grandmother's house, and eventually uh, she's going to meet up with the, the wolf uh, dressed up as her grandmother. Uh, 
And so in narrative, some, often most of the events or doings are dependent on previous events or doings. Uh, and we, we see that in uh, Genesis, uh, for example, uh, all of the all of the creation events that happen throughout the six days leading to the seventh day when everything is completed in creation, they are all dependent on God's first act. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, and if you trace it through step by step, you, you have events moving forward dependent on what, what comes before them. And so it's a, it's a narrative. Uh, uh, and then also there's there's a verb uh, in Hebrew uh, called either the the vayitol uh, or the vav consecutive verb. Uh, and this verb has a, a special function uh, in Hebrew where uh, it uh, advances the the time uh, in the narrative. Uh, and not always, but generally uh, that's what it does. Uh, its purpose is to drive the events, uh, keep them going. Uh, forward, uh, and in uh, Genesis one, and when I say Genesis one, I'm, I'm referring to the the first section, Genesis one uh, through chapter two, verse three. Uh, they they put the chapter marker at the wrong place. Um, but in Genesis one, uh, this Hebrew uh, verb uh, appears 55 times in 32 verses. Uh, and so it's really driving things. It's it's behind the the driver's seat, uh, moving the events forward. Uh, and so it's uh, it's narrative. Uh, and then another uh, feature of narrative uh, is uh, in narratives, events or doings are controlled by an agent, uh, one who performs an action. Uh, an agent is just someone who performs an action, an uh, actor. Uh, and we see that. Uh, Really, the, the only agents uh, in Genesis 1 are God and uh, God's spirit. Uh, but God uh, primarily uh, is uh, he's, um, con controlling the actions throughout from, from beginning to, to end. And so everything we see, this isn't poetry, this is a narrative. And it's important to get that straight uh, when some claim that this is just, just poetic. And then it, it's not just a, a narrative, uh, but it's it's historical. It's grounded in real events, real space, real time, real history. Uh, and we could point uh, throughout the five books of Moses, throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, that they recognize this is this is historical narrative. These things really happened. Uh, but I'll just give you one example. Uh, Jesus in Matthew 19, uh, in verse 3, uh, he makes a, a comment with the, the Pharisees. I'll, I'll just read this to you. Uh, and the Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Well, where, where is he drawing from? Genesis 1 verse 27 uh, and he points to the creation account uh, into the the veracity the the truthfulness of it uh, and that yes uh, 
in the beginning, in the beginning of creation, the six days of creation, God made man. Uh, and uh, because he did this, uh, this is binding on the, the Pharisees uh, that, uh, that Jesus made them this way. And he's going to do this to, to uphold marriage from the beginning. And he'll also refer to uh, Genesis chapter 2. And so we see that its, its genre is historical narrative. Uh, now I want to look at the, the meaning of the Hebrew word yom, uh, day, uh, in uh, Genesis 1. And really, when, when I say in Genesis 1, I'm talking about the, the repetition uh, of the phrase, uh, for example, on the, the first day, verse 5. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Uh, and that, that repeats uh, six different times. And now uh, the, there are three uh, different uh, definitions that or, or meanings uh, that the word yom, uh, day, uh, can have there are actually others, but these are the the three ones that are most important to us. And this is from the dictionary of uh, biblical languages Hebrew. And the the first definition uh, of yom is a unit of time reckoned from sunset to the next sunset, including two or more segments, morning and evening, uh, about 24 hours. And so this is just an ordinary. 24-hour day. And he cites uh, Genesis 1-5 as an example of that. Uh, and then uh, another meaning uh, of Yom is the period of time which has light. So in contrast to, uh, to the night, uh, I worked all day and slept all night. Uh, it's just the, the period of, of light, daylight. Uh, there's another example in Genesis uh, 1, 5, uh, if you see, um, and God separated light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And so we have an example of that. And so uh, one is just an ordinary 24-hour day, uh, another uh, the period of time with light. And then a third is an indefinite time period ranging from relatively short to very long years and beyond. Uh, and so we could talk about uh, like the, the day of King David. Uh, or if we look in Genesis chapter 2, verse 4. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And so it's referring to the period of time in which God made uh, the, the earth and the, the heavens. Uh, and so the, the creation week. And so uh, I, I would argue uh, that the word yom, uh, as it appears in Genesis 1, uh, in the phrase, and there was evening and there was morning the first day, uh, that it's a, a 24 hour uh, period. Uh, and so f 
for, for example, uh, we, we see on, on the first day, uh, if you read, uh, the, there's the, the creation of light. Uh, and then uh, from, from light, uh, God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So now that you have light in darkness, now you can have evening and morning. And there was evening and there was morning uh, the first uh, day. Uh, and so what, whenever you see uh, evening and morning paired with yom, a uh, day, uh, th this is uh, just an ordinary 24-hour uh, uh, period a uh, day. Uh, although uh, on day one, uh, the sun, moon, and the stars weren't yet created, uh, but God already uh, already uh, gave, gave light. There was already a, a source of light, and there was evening and morning the first day. And then uh, we see that uh, the, there's uh, a sequence of days, uh, one after another. Uh, and there is evening and morning the first day. And there is evening and morning the second day. And there is evening and morning the third day. Uh, all the way up to six, uh, in which God worked, uh, and so a work week. Uh, and then uh, on the seventh, uh, that, that's just a week. And what are, uh, what are weeks uh, filled with? Well, they're, they're filled with uh, 24 days. Uh, period hour, hour days, ordinary days. Uh, and then also in Exodus 20, verse 11, Beginning in first day, we have the, the fourth commandment uh, about the, the Sabbath, uh, the day of rest at the end of the week. Uh, and God says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For, now here is the reason of why they should work six days and not do any work on the seventh day. For, in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Uh, the, the whole reason that the seventh day is distinct from the other days uh, is because God worked on the preceding six days, uh, but uh, not on the seventh. Uh, the seventh commemorated uh, the completion uh, of God's perfect work. Uh, and he says, and the, the focus is not on, uh, not on uh, God making, uh, but the focus in Hebrew is on how long God made. Uh, in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. Well, uh, heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, that's everything that he made. Uh, if you look in Genesis 1.1, God made the heavens and the earth. Uh, yes, those were created uh, in six uh, ordinary days. Uh, and Moses teaches that very, very plainly uh, to the Hebrews. Uh, they, they get that uh, very clearly. Uh, and then in Exodus 31, verse 17. 
Let's see, starting in 16. Therefore the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And again, uh, heaven and earth, uh, staying for all that he made, uh, was made in six days. And again, the, the emphasis is on how long God did this. Uh, and Moses is the author uh, of Genesis, uh, and so uh, he, he can clearly interpret this for us. And you really couldn't ask for, for more explicit uh, statements. Uh, and even in the, the end of uh, Genesis uh, chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 3, I'll just read in 3. Uh, it says, So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. It, it summarizes everything, and that's, that's what sets the seventh day apart. And then, just as a, another illustration, uh, Joshua 6. Joshua 6, and I'll read verses 3 through 5 and 11 through 16. You shall march around the city. Uh, this is when they're preparing to go into Jericho. What verse are you that again? Uh, 3 through 5 and 11 through 16. All right, the, the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, uh, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall, fall down flat. Uh, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. Then 11 through 16. So he caused the ark of the Lord to circle the city, going around it once, and they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord, and the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord walked on, and they blew the trumpets continually. And the armed men were walking before them, and the rear guard was walking after the ark of the Lord while the trumpets blew continually. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned into the camp. So they did for six days. On the seventh day they rose early, at the dawn of the day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. Uh, and so we see here in uh, Jason Lyle, uh, astrophysicist, good Bible student, I uh, heard him uh, make, make these points. Uh, just 
pointing out, no one really questions the, the length of the, the days here. Uh, they're seven days, they're a week. Uh, he mentions uh, morning and night and expressions uh, that you would expect. These are uh, just uh, seven uh, ordinary days. Uh, and some people will, will also point, well, what about Second Peter uh, 3, verse 8? But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. So maybe the Lord was telling them, uh, you know, walk around the city, uh, wait a thousand years, then walk around the city, wait another thousand years. And uh, boy, you need many Joshua's and <laughs> to, to last that time. Uh, and that's, that's just ridiculous. Uh, and uh, Peter was written almost one, over 1,400 years after the time of Moses. The Israelites weren't thinking about Peter, and uh, Peter isn't uh, giving people uh, this, this phrase uh, so they can go uh, back through the Bible and just start plugging it in everywhere, and wherever they see a day uh, interpreted as a 1,000 years, and wherever they see a 1,000 years, they can bring it down to a day. And uh, as Jason Lyle also said, well, uh, once you go, you go to a thousand years, and so they're, they're to uh, wait a, a thousand years to go around the city. Oh, but a thousand years is a, is a day, and so now you're you're right back to a day. If the, that's not what Peter was saying. Uh, of course not. As just saying that uh, God uh, doesn't quite uh, quite uh, experience time uh, in the way that we do. Uh, it seems like God is impatient uh, toward us. Uh, but uh, not not for for God. Uh, and so uh, from this, we, we see that it's an ordinary 24-hour uh, uh, day, uh, and that includes uh, uh, the creation of the heavens and the earth in uh, verse 1, but uh, verses 1 and 2 uh, also serve uh, a special uh, function, uh, which we'll, we'll get to see. Uh, and this brings us to the the structure of the chapter and how, how all the parts uh, fit together. Yep. Wasn't Jericho really big? So it would be like marching around Minneapolis. I'm not quite sure uh, just how, how big it was, but it was definitely a, a populous uh, city uh, with, with big fortified uh, walls. Mm -hmm. I think marching around it was big. I thought you mentioned it, so. Yeah, I don't know if it's as big as Minneapolis. Uh, our our cities are, are really uh, spread out uh, and even have like sub suburbs. Yeah, but marching around the city is not only really big. <laughs> well, they, they marched around seven times the, the, the final day. All right, so for the, the, the structure, uh, we're looking at the, the first major section. Uh, our first Toledot section, our first, uh, the generations, is in chapter 2, uh, verse 4. Uh, and that will point forward uh, to, as uh, Scholar Matthew says, the, the first family. Uh, but we're not focused uh, on the, the offspring of the heavens and the earth and Adam and what happens to them and uh, the beginning of the, uh, the seed promise uh, the chosen seed through whom God will restore his, 
his blessing to his creation. Uh, but uh, we're, we're starting with the, the first section, Genesis 1, 1 through uh, 2, verse 3. Uh, and here, uh, for the, the Israelites, it's bringing, uh, connecting things all the way back uh, to the God of history, to the God of creation, and to God's purposes in creation that he is going to fulfill uh, through the chosen offspring, through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and through the Israelite people to bring about his blessing, his kingdom, his king. And then uh, Genesis 1 is divided primarily by the, the temporal time expression. Uh, and, and there was evening and morning the first day. Uh, and we see a sequence of uh, six of these uh, which divides it up into uh, seven uh, major sections uh, based based on the, the days. Uh, and each one uh, concludes the day uh, and then goes on to the, the next day of God's creation. Uh, and then in uh, verses uh, 1 and 2, uh, the, the reason that it doesn't open with dialogue, it doesn't open with God speaking, uh, is that typically uh, narratives don't open uh, with dialogue. Uh, they don't open with speaking. Uh, normally, uh, an author uh, for the audience needs to establish a few things uh, right from the start. And they, they can get to dialogue pretty fast. Uh, but uh, they have to do things like uh, to, to set the, the context, uh, the, the setting. Uh, they have to introduce uh, any important uh, participants uh, or other entities in the story, uh, such as uh, they introduce God into the story, who is uh, the most important uh, person in the story, uh, as uh, some linguists would call it, the, the VIP. He's, he's the very important person in the, the story. And in fact, for the, the whole story, the beginning to end, uh, uh, my mother and I were, were talking uh, not too long ago about how it's just amazing to see that uh, that God is consistently uh, throughout Scripture uh, from Genesis to Revelation, A to Z, uh, and he has all these important prophets that he raises up. I mean, even uh, men as important to, like Moses, and Moses authored five books. Uh, he's active in uh, four of the books, uh, but Moses passes away. Isaiah passes away. Jeremiah passes away. Uh, we, uh, we pass away. Uh, God uses us. Uh, he gives us gifts to, to serve in his body, uh, but we, we all pass away, and uh, the one who never passes away is, uh, is God. Uh, and so uh, Genesis uh, 1, uh, I'll just read it. I have to flip back. And so in, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, and we'll talk about this more uh, next week, but the starting point is in the beginning, uh, the absolute beginning uh, of all all things, the, the starting point for the, the whole narrative and the whole Bible. Uh, and then uh, we, we have uh, God introduced. God created the heavens and the earth. And the, the heavens and the earth are going to play a very uh, important role for the, the rest of the narrative in chapter 1 uh, because uh, it's basically God uh, God, uh, as the, the master potter, his block of clay uh, is now on the potter's wheel. 
uh, as like a like a painter, his canvas is primed, and now he's ready to uh, to, to give it detail and uh, fill it in. Uh, and then uh, we also see that it gives us uh, important background information, uh, where th these aren't events, but it's just background information that helps us to understand what what will come. Uh, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Uh, and in the rest of it, we'll see that uh, it's without form, uh, it's without void, it's, it's empty, and we're going to see that God is going to uh, bring form to the heavens and the earth. Uh, he's going to uh, fill them and populate them with his creatures and with the sun, moon, and stars. Uh, and where there was darkness, uh, he's going to give light. And so we see with this background uh, that the heavens and the earth, they're, they're incomplete. Uh, and then by the seventh day, the, the whole focus is on God's uh, complete and perfect creation. And so that, that's the opening introductory verses, uh, verses 1 and 2. Uh, and then, uh, as we just talked about, uh, God over the, uh, the, the rest of the, the six days uh, is going to uh, finish and bring his work to completion. And uh, we, we had spoken earlier about how some scholars would say that uh, days one through three, God is forming his creation. Uh, in days four through six, he's filling it. Uh, or as uh, Matthews puts it, in days one through three, uh, the, the unproductive creation becomes productive in days four through six. Uh, the uninhabited creation becomes inhabited. Uh, and uh, really, uh, we, this is a little simplistic because we, we see there are other things like uh, there's darkness and he's uh, taking care of the darkness and there are the seas and he's working with those as, uh, as well. Uh, but there's, uh, there's definitely truth to this. Uh, and then... Uh, some of the, the biggest points that, that stand out the most, that, that are to, to grab our attention and we, we need to pay attention to, are, uh, for example, uh, the, the creation of man. Uh, there's uh, quite a bit of repetition that should uh, perk up our ears. Uh, so God said, let us make man in our image uh, after our likeness. And then a little ways below, uh, verse 27, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Uh, and so the, the repetition, that, that's an important point in God's creation. It's right before the end. Uh, we're going to see that God created everything to, uh, to put everything under man's feet, uh, to, uh, to give him dominion over the, over the land and over all of his uh, creatures and was to rule on behalf of God with God uh, over man. Uh, and then at the very end uh, of day six, uh, we talked about like God's uh, reports. Uh, it was so, uh, and his uh, evaluation. Uh, and we'll see that that in the the last verse, verse uh, well, the the end of verse thirty and thirty one, it's the seventh time that he's said uh, he's given a report. Uh, and he's uh, evaluated his creation. And he also changes the way that he says it, that uh, should perk up, perk up our ears. And he uses a, an attention uh, getter, uh, saying, uh, listen up. 
And so it says, uh, after everything is done, and it was so, and God saw everything that he had made, uh, and behold, it was very good. Uh, and be, behold, it, it's like saying, look, look, it was very good. Uh, and not, not just good, uh, but everything that he made was uh, very good. Uh, and this is the seventh time. And from here to the seventh day, it's the, the climax uh, of all of God's uh, creation. Uh, and it concludes on the seventh day with lots of repetition. Uh, we, we see this theme of uh, sevens. Uh, there are uh, seven days. There are seven reports. Uh, there are seven evaluations uh, culminating in the seventh day uh, and this idea of, of completion. Uh, and there are some other uh, sevens probably that we, we'll talk about in, in the coming weeks. Uh, but this is where we get the idea of completion, uh, of uh, perfection, uh, and that God's work uh, was uh, exceedingly good and complete. There was nothing left for him to do. Uh, his provision for his creatures uh, and for, for man. Uh, and th this, uh, this is the, the climax. I'll just read uh, the, the last passage. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished uh, or completed and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Uh, in this repetition, instead of just saying his work, that's enough. We, we know what work he's talking about, uh, but he gives us uh, extra information, uh, too, too much information, information that we don't need uh, to characterize it and to make us listen to the theme uh, from uh, all of his work that he had done in creation. This is about what God uh, has done uh, in creation. And that's what uh, Moses wants uh, the, the Israelites to, uh, to pay attention to. Uh, and then uh, turning our focus to the, the primary uh, theme, uh, this is one way that I put it, it's a little long-winded and may maybe you could put it better and include some other things, but uh, I put it this way. God, the eternal, uncreated creator and universal sovereign, uh, a sovereign's like a ruler or a king, uh, in the span of six days, sovereignly creates all things very good, including the heavens, the earth, the seas and everything in them for the dominion, blessing and flourishing of mankind created according to his image and for the blessing and flourishing of the rest of his creation to the praise of his glory. Uh, the seventh day commemorates the completion of his all encompassing perfect work uh, of creation. Uh, and so we, we really see that uh, this is the, the message that uh, Moses is driving to, uh, to God's people, those who are about to enter into the land to become God's people, uh, to see that God uh, is the, the creator, the eternal creator. He rules over all. 
uh, and all of the the pagan ideas that they hear from the the Babylonians and the Egyptians and the Canaanites and uh, all of their ideas about uh, pre-existing gods that that pre-existed with matter and uh, from the gods were produced more gods and uh, they're very very immoral and uh, very very wicked and a lot of the things are, are so perverse that uh, I I wouldn't even I wouldn't even have you uh, read uh, those things uh, they're they're so disgusting and detestable uh, but Moses gives them the the true history. Uh, just to, to hammer this uh, point home, uh, I'll read a, a few passages uh, throughout Deuteronomy that Moses, uh, Moses gave to the Israelites. Uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, uh, starting in uh, verse 37, he says, And because he loved your fathers and chose their offspring after them and brought you out of Egypt, with his own presence, by his great power, driving out before you nations greater and mightier than you, to bring you in to give you their land for an inheritance, as in this day. Know therefore today and lay it to your heart that the Lord is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. There is no other. Uh, and this is the reason that they should keep uh, God's statutes. Know therefore today and lay it to your heart that the Lord, uh, Yahweh, is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Beneath, There is no other. And then Deuteronomy 10, starting with verse 12. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and the statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart uh, in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them you above all peoples as you are this day. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bride. Uh, and so we see that uh, behold uh, to uh, the Lord, to Yahweh your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens the earth with all that is in them uh, and why they're to circumcise their hearts uh, for uh, Yahweh your God is God of gods and Lord of lords uh, the great the mighty and the awesome God uh, and so we, we see that uh, just really uh, God's purposes in history all begin here to to bless his creation uh, and although a man is going to rebel, he is still committed to blessing through the chosen offspring. Uh, and uh, Kenneth Matthews, uh, let me just read a, a couple sections uh, from, from him. Uh, he says, uh, the creation account is the preamble to the Pentateuch, that's the five books of Moses, 
announces that the God of Israel, the covenant deliverer of his people, is creator of all that exists. The opening verse is the theological presupposition of true biblical religion. The Lord of covenant and the God of creation are one and the same. This story of beginnings introduces the thematic interests of Genesis as well as the whole Pentateuch. It tells of God's uh, tells of God's creation of land, his promise of blessing and seed, progeny. And then a little bit lower, he says, God's promissory blessings of land and seed had their inception, beginning uh, at creation, uh, and hence are universal promises bestowed upon all those created in the image of God. Once that's all, all humanity. Genesis 1 through 11 shows how the universal blessing is realized uh, that's brought about uh, only through a particular lineage, namely through the progeny of Seth uh, and his descendant Shem. Even more so, the genealogies narrow uh, on the one man Abraham, who is deemed the recipient of divine blessing par excellence. Uh, creation therefore entails uh, the beneficent, uh, the, those are the goodwill, goodwill intentions, the kindly intentions of God, uh, sets the course for their outworking in human history and prepares us for the ensuing account of how God, despite recurring human disobedience, preserves his promises through the appointed seed of Abraham. Uh, and the only thing I'd, I'd add is uh, he, he talks about God's, uh, about the creation of land and his promise of uh, blessing and seed. Uh, maybe it's, it's implied, uh, but uh, this includes uh, God's promises of, of blessings, of uh, multiplication, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of flourishing. I, I'm almost done. Uh, of flourishing. Uh, and uh, of his promise of dominion to man, giving them all dominion. And ultimately, these promises are only realized uh, in Christ. Uh, and through Israel, God brings about uh, his blessing, uh, the kingdom, uh, the Messiah. And we uh, find that only in Christ, uh, and if we're united to him, uh, will then God give a dominion to us uh, over the, the God's kingdom. Uh, and so uh, Christ has come, and if we, uh, if we repent uh, and trust in his finished work, uh, he lived the, the perfect life uh, that we couldn't live. Uh, he died the death uh, that we couldn't die. Uh, he was crucified for the sins of all who would turn from their sin uh, and trust in him alone. Uh, and if we trust in him, uh, then God will uh, restore these creation blessings even to us, uh, and we will be uh, fellow heirs uh, with Christ uh, and adopted sons and daughters uh, of God. Uh, and so uh, let's just uh, pray uh, briefly uh, because there's a, a mouse uh, walking around this room, and uh, then we will uh, get out to safety. <laughs> Uh, Heavenly Father, I 
thank you for uh, for the book of Genesis and uh, just how how amazingly uh, it begins, uh, just how um, how awesome your word is, uh, and to know that even uh, from the the beginning of creation that uh, you're committed to uh, to blessing your creation, to uh, blessing man, and uh, even restoring these these blessings uh, to your chosen people uh, through your Son, uh, even though uh, we have rebelled and uh, sinned against you. And I just pray that you'd uh, bless our time together and uh, encourage us. I believe that we would uh, believe uh, every word uh, of of your book and of your word. Uh, and as uh, Joshua uh, and them, as you told them, if they would simply obey you and uh, walk around the city once each day and seven times on the seventh day, uh, that you would give it into your hands. And uh, I pray that we would uh, trust you and your promises and uh, that you would uh, bring us home to glory. And so we thank you and praise you. Uh, and, uh, we do these things in your son's name. Amen.